taken a couple steps back. Uh, we were in 25 last week, and uh, we want to get some juxtaposition here. And uh, it was David just read for us sort of that text um, where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And uh, let me see what you guys got in your handout. We'll pick it up um, at chapter 21, verse 9. It says, The crowds uh, that went ahead of him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Anybody know what Hosanna means? Save us. Save us. To the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 12. Uh, then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple. And he overturned the tables, the money changers, and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise for yourself. He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and spent the night there. It's the word of the Lord. So good. You get to sit down now. But I won't. Uh, so this is Holy Week. Uh, we're beginning with Palm Sunday uh, this week. Uh, thousands have traveled from afar to Jerusalem uh, to worship and participate in the festival of Passover uh, that's happening right now uh, and the worshiping at the temple. Um, and if you know the story of Passover, right, it begins, uh, we get it first all the way back in Exodus 12. Uh, when, you know the story, uh, Pharaoh wouldn't let uh, the Israelites go, and Moses, uh, representing the people of Israel and the people of God, kept going and uh, saying, let my people go, God says, and Pharaoh, like plague after plague, doesn't let them go, until finally in Exodus 12, and God says, okay, uh, tonight we're getting out, and uh, he says, um, I shall have the firstborn of uh, Egypt, and uh, if you want to be saved from this, I need you to take a lamb and slaughter it and take its blood and put it over your doorpost, and I will pass over your home. Uh, and that's where we get Passover. And, um, and then the people of Egypt, as you know, or the people of Israel, uh, escape through the bondages of the Egyptians and are led into freedom. Uh, and so... Uh, Passover, uh, at its at its core, right, was never about appeasing an angry God, uh, right, but it's about uh, uh, a people being delivered and healed and freed from bondage uh, this morning. And so by the time we get to Matthew 21 in this story, uh, you know, we're kind of a far cry from that original night, uh, that original Passover, right? There's uh, there's a whole religion uh, we've got now. There's, there's rituals and rites and washings and, and cleansings and, and sacrifice. Uh, there's, there's so much going on. There's a code. We've got a temple now. There's, there's people in charge. Uh, there's temple police and ritualistic sacrificing going on. There's so much going on at this point uh, so many years later. 
Uh, and so now when Jesus and his disciples arrive in Passover, for Passover in Jerusalem, like there's a lot going on here. Uh, and so um, this morning I kind of want to focus on this scene here that, that maybe a lot of us are familiar with uh, in the Gospel where it says Jesus flips over the, the tables and, and sort of does all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, in and, and one of the Gospels, I can't remember which one, maybe John, he has a whip. Yeah, no, it's a little bit of an Indiana Jones kind of thing, you know. Uh, anyway, so it's, a, it's an interesting uh, interesting scripture. Actually, if you read, uh, I think uh, this one is one of the few that's in all four Gospels. And uh, each Gospel writer is like trying to tell you what's going on. You know, they all kind of have a little bit of different angle. There's a little bit of like, what is Jesus trying to say here uh, this morning? What What is actually going on here uh, this morning? And so um, we uh, were Wednesday night, we were sitting... Uh, with our life group, with a couple of us in Red Bicycle, and we were talking about the ways a little bit, um, we're talking about lots of stuff, uh, and, uh, but one of the things we're talking about is the way that, that people uh, have historically used different texts and scriptures to, uh, just to sort of manipulate, you know, and like, uh, you know, cause different things, but um, anyway, but I think this is one of those texts, right, that that throughout history, that we've sort of like taken this this scripture and just used it. Uh, I, I remember very clearly um, when I was a kid, and we had such a little youth group. There was like four of us, right? Maybe five, you know. And my mom was just like default youth pastor. And um, we were trying to sell candy bars um, for something, for the youth group, right? I mean, for Jesus. And, um, and I will always remember... Larry and Betty, uh, and they were just so upset, probably mostly Larry in hindsight, uh, that that we were trying to sell candy bars in church, right? And he was like, he was like, Jesus said, yeah, you know, Matthew 21, right? And he quotes his text and like, this is, you know, den of robbers, you know, the, like the four of us were like, holy cow, you know. Uh, What's uh, what's what's about to happen here? You know, no candy bars in the Lord's house. You know, or is this? Oh, you know, and uh, so it was real though. I think they actually did eventually leave the church, and and I can't remember if it was over that or, or what. But you just you just realize like man, like there's some there's some baggage here with some scripture. Uh, so so we're gonna look at this text, and what's really intriguing in this passage is there's actually uh, nothing wrong here. There, there's actually nothing going wrong here. Like, uh, like everything is happening uh, according to plan, right? You, so you got you got these um, money changers, uh, right, in in the temple. And uh, I want to I want to go ahead and bust these out. So these are these are kind of fun. I got these. I've never shared these before in here, so this is really. You guys are really uh, getting something special. This is like older than some of you, so uh, this is the uh, the actual Temple Mount here. As you can see, I drew this. This is like a actual sketch, uh, and I can't see on this. We'll pass this around a little bit, and I'll show you guys a different one. You guys can look at that, just to get a little bit of idea of what we're talking about this morning with the Temple. So uh, this one right here is a little bit more visible. Let's put this on the board, uh, and. Uh, so as you can see, this is as you probably can't see. 
So there's like a little barn looking area up here, and we'll pass this around. And uh, that's like the outer courts where like Jesus would have been in the story where the sacrificing is happening and all that stuff, and where Jesus would have been turning over the money changers. And so I'm going to pass this around and let you guys just kind of take a look at that. Uh, and I'm going to talk more about this, and we'll get some context. Uh, and so there were money changers in the temple, and uh, these were crucial for worship. Uh, so if you were coming to Passover to participate in this whole worship process, um, you couldn't use like just any coins, right? Uh, you couldn't use Roman coinage. You couldn't use any coin that had someone else's image on it. And so you actually had to change your money out um, to Tyrian coinage uh, so that you could participate in the worship. Uh, also, there would have been uh, just like uh, tons of uh, stalls, right? And thousands of them full of just animals that have been hand-selected for worship uh, to fulfill the biblical law, right? To do all this stuff that's part of temple worship at Passover and sacrifice. And, uh, and so uh, this was all crucial, right? So if you were coming from like Galilee, if you were coming from a long way away, you weren't necessarily going to bring these animals uh, with you all the way to Jerusalem for Passover for worship. And so when you got there, you would have changed out your money and you would have purchased uh, a dove or a lamb or whatever you needed for worship. And so what's going on here in the text uh, is actually crucial. Uh, it's actually necessary and important for them to practice uh, Passover, this Passover festival as they knew it. And this is what they did every year. And so... Uh, what the what the text doesn't insinuate and what it doesn't say uh, is 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 that there was some sort of cleansing going on, uh, as if there were some unethical, shady business deals happening. Now that could have been happening, but the text doesn't tell us that. And there's actually no New Testament writer who refers to this symbolic act that Jesus says in the temple as cleansing. Right? That word is never used. Although we always talk about this as Jesus cleansing the temple for whatever reason. And so uh, so that's not necessarily going on. But what is going on is everything that's supposed to be going on uh, right here in temple worship. Uh, and so it's really interesting, isn't it? Uh, you get this, this, this movement, and it's not just against the money changers, but it's in the people also uh, participating in the worship. It's Jesus is like... Jesus is like the whole thing, right? He's, he's somehow against the whole thing, it seems. Uh, and so you're just like, you're just like, why? You know, why, right? Uh, totally unrelated. A couple weeks ago, uh, I ended up here one night, and uh, I, I was dropping some food off, and I had Emily's cell phone uh, with me. And I was like, this should be good, and, uh, and Anthony and David got really excited, and they're like, we should text somebody from Emily's phone, and I was like, okay, and Anthony's like, uh, we should text Allie, and I'm like, okay, okay, all right, let's do it, let's mess with Allie, you know, and, uh, and Anthony's like, uh, just tell her she's a dork, and, uh, and I'm like, okay, and uh, I'm like, I'm like texting Allie, I'm like, you're a dork, period. <laughs> and we just leave it there. And we haven't even talked about this. Uh, but um, any, anyway, and it was like hours later, no response. And and finally, she was like, yeah, that's all true, but 
why? Why? And uh, I love that. That's like, uh, that's like, yeah, you know, it's like, why? What? Jesus, what's your problem? Like, the question's sort of looming, isn't it? Like, yeah, Lord, but, but why? You know, like, why are you doing this, Lord? Uh, like, uh, you know, what, what do you... Uh, what do you have against this whole thing, Lord? What is what's the problem with temple worship here, God? Um, you know what's wrong with the way things are going down? Uh, after all, the temple is the symbol of God's presence in the world. Are you with me? Uh, actually, uh, thousands of years later, this is pretty much true, isn't it? Uh, that the temple is kind of that symbol for God's presence in the world, uh, right? And uh, and so. As you can see on those maps, like the temple, this is sort of the, the temple as it existed and uh, in, in Jesus' day, and it was huge, right? And so to understand a little bit more what's going on here, you have to know a little bit more, remember what sort of the context of Matthew is. And uh, so if you can imagine, like, Matthew is like this just like really old guy at this point. And, uh, and you know, he's, he, can, he can remember when he was young, and he was just a sinner, a tax collector, and Jesus found him. This rabbi came up and said, follow me. And he's like, peace out, taxes, I'm with him. And he just saw all of these amazing things firsthand, uh, right? But now, uh, from what we know, uh, Matthew was written somewhere around 85 BC, uh, or BCE, or AD, however you fall there. And, um, and so it's, it's much later. And actually, at this point, and this is really key. When Matthew was writing this, like the temple had already been destroyed. Uh, that picture, that was gone, you know, 15 years uh, by the time, uh, around about the time Matthew wrote this. And so the temple had been long gone. And so you're just imagining, right? You can just imagine like this really old man, and he's like, and he's writing his gospel, and he's telling the story about. Yeah, no, I mean, if you've ever heard an old man tell a story about the glory days, right, you kind of know how this goes down. And, uh, you know, you can just imagine him saying how, I remember when Jesus went into the temple and he turned over those tables and he disrupted all of worship and he drop-kicked 12 temple police guards, and everyone was on the ground, and, you know, you just you just imagine him, like, he's old, like, it was epic, you know, remember, you know, he's writing it down, and, uh, you know, and so, but this is, this is not a surprise, right, um, so in actuality, uh, and as you can kind of see, uh, the temple was just so enormous. There was, there was just, there was actually just so much going on uh, in the temple, and there was Jewish police, and for the festival it would have been augmented by Roman soldiers, and there were huge barn stalls with thousands of sacrificial animals. There would have been places to stay for all those people who were keeping them. There was a slaughterhouse. There was so much going on. Jesus himself, okay, Jesus himself. Nor had he been helped by his little merry band of men and women, which, for as far as we know, he wasn't. Uh, like, could not have stopped or shut down temple business for the day, okay? Uh, like, it's just not happening, right? Uh, and so, uh, but this is not what's important for us this morning, right? This is not what's important for Matthew retelling the story, right? That, that all four Gospels record this, right? Something happened, but what we're not getting caught up on here this morning 
is accurate reporting, but uh, theological meaning, right? Uh, that that this is not, and this is key for us this morning. Come where we're going. Like this is not how we talk about or how we use uh, scripture, right? But this is Matthew's trying to tell us something. He's pointing to a particular point uh, about worship, uh, and so key for Matthew and his church, even years after the temple had been destroyed, is oh my word, right? Uh, what is the way forward for the people of God in light of the destruction of this temple? Right, because uh, this temple uh, was really had become for the Jewish people the end all. Right, the temple had become the the end all of worship. It had become uh, like I'm gonna get like fired for this or something. But it had become like like the mecca for for Jews. You know, uh, 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 some Jew later listening to this podcast is gonna be like, what? Oh my gosh. Uh, it had become like the center of worship. Right. Uh, and, and in the temple, you can see there's like the, the temple temple, the, the Holy of Holies kind of in the middle. And inside there would have been where they believed, like if God resided somewhere, that's where God was, right? Uh, in there was the Ark of the Covenant, right? This, this thing that used to go places with the people of God, but now had been just boxed in and had been shut in. And so the temple had become this, the, the end all uh, for, the, for the Jews and for the people of God uh, this morning. Um, still today, uh, somewhere on the other side of the world, there's there's someone fighting over this spot. Uh, still today, right now, right? There's there's lots of people who believe that when Jesus comes back, it's going to be in that spot, right? And so this this spot is is very important. Uh, this temple is is uh, is is very important. Uh, and so I wonder if we have anything like that. I wonder if we have any end-all temples uh, as part of our, our worship uh, this morning. Uh, several mornings ago, speaking of fun things with David Manson, we were, we were sitting around talking about, uh, what are we talking about? We are talking about, like, why the local church is struggling, and like you do, and, and things. And, um, you know, there, there's so many things going on, and it, and it doesn't take anyone to see that the church, particularly in the Western world, North America, like it's just kind of on the decline and, and pastors everywhere are just really scratching their heads and trying to figure out what the deal is and who moved my church and all that other stuff. And, uh, you know, and it's, and it's been going on for a while now. And, and some would say that it feels like for us, uh, for Christians today, and especially in North America, it seemed like the temple has been destroyed for a hot minute, right? Uh, pretty much since... Uh, DC Talk broke up, and Billy Graham stopped doing crusades, and uh, no one even does church lock-ins anymore, and, you know, like, the temple's been shut down for a minute, uh, you know. Uh, it seems like the whole thing is just dead, and, um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just really feels that way. Uh, when, when the old temple and the old church, when the old thing uh, becomes the end-all, well, that's, that's actually what it becomes. It becomes the end of all. Uh, it's kind of over. Uh, and so, um, you, ever, you ever found yourself trying to talk with someone, like have a conversation about something in particular, and then you realize a few minutes into it that, like, you're kind of the only one conversating, right? Uh, like, you, you realize that whatever you're trying to share, they already have such solid 
opinions about that they're not really like there's no conversation happening, right? It's just you kind of talking and they're going to tell you what the truth is afterward or something. You know what I'm saying? It's very different. You know it when you're in it. Uh, I think for too many of us, this represents our religion. Uh, this, this can represent our worship, uh, right? That, that It's like a system that, that has all the answers. Uh, like a place you can go and you can just get get answers. You can get life fixed, right? It's, it's clean, it's clear, it's brick, it's mortar, uh, right? You can, you can go here, you can do these rituals, and you can make these offerings, and you can participate in this, uh, in this sacrifice of your time or whatever, and you can go home for another week, and it's just like, yes! Uh, right? Uh, when our religion or when our worship becomes finalized, right? Uh, when, when we make... Another thing, I'm going to get like my ordination, my revocation. Uh, when, when we make creeds or when we make articles of faith and when we make these statements that are never reformed, when we make everything dogma, that is, which is... Um, which is the final foundation, right? When we make everything dogma, right, uh, unquestionable, uh, right, th- this happens, right? Everything becomes inerrant in this place, in this sort of worship. Everything becomes inerrant, not just scripture, right? Everything becomes without error, uh, right? Everything is understood. Nothing is moving. All questions are answered, right? Uh, God is very small in this kind of worship. Uh, God is very small. Nothing is evolving. And so we come here to this, this brick and this mortar place maybe once a week, or for some of us maybe once a year at Easter next week. Uh, yeah, now, and, and it's just kind of uh, our religious duty, and we fulfill it, and we get our sins forgiven. You know, it's, it's kind of no, no wonder this whole, this whole system is on the decline, right? Uh, there's, there's really nothing compelling going on with this sort of worship and this sort of uh, religion and this sort of vision of the kingdom of God. Right? Life becomes this sort of waiting room, almost. Like, we're coming, we make our offerings, we're kind of waiting on God to come back and do his thing. Uh, right? Of course this is not compelling, right? You can, you, can put, you can put as much lipstick on the thing as you want, right? Uh, you, you, can, you can, like, put lights up, you can, you can, do, the, you can do the fog machine, right? Uh, you can, like, make a contemporary service. Anybody been to a contemporary service? Uh, right? I actually like contemporary services because they're still playing Sonic Flint. Uh, so that's kind of that's kind of my jam. Uh, but uh, you know, you, you make you can have like the the most rock awesome coffee bar. Right? I think back on our sabbatical a couple years ago, Emily and I got the rare chance of actually visiting some other churches, and we went to one that's down that was down the street, and we go in and and everything was like opposite Kaleo. You know, it was like there's like Darkness and uh, you know no no windows and, uh, and but the coffee was amazing like they have the barista when you walked in and uh, anyway so I should not be like hating on other local churches like it, like the pastor's an awesome guy anyway uh, but um, you know you you can kind of get in this thing where like we're trying to do everything we can to make this more fun right. Uh, we're trying to make this compelling. We're trying to make this like something you want to be a part of, right? This this worship, this religion, uh, right? We're we're doing what we can, uh, and so um, Jesus comes in here and he's like reorienting temple worship uh, at its core, 
Uh, Jesus is actually not reforming here. Jesus is not a reformer. Jesus is like a revolutionary, right? Jesus is like a temple uh, revolutionary uh, here. Uh, at the heart of this passage, Jesus quotes two prophets. He quotes uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah. And, uh, and this is kind of necessary for us to understand this. Uh, he said, uh, it is written, uh, my house shall be called a house of prayer, uh, but you're making it into a room robbers. Uh, the first, the temple is meant to be a place of prayer, right? It's meant to be this place that we encounter God further, right? That we're drawn near to God. God, who is eternal, who is expanding, right? Who is uh, more and more and more uh, and more. He is expansive. He's not stagnant or, or over, right? He's not finished creating. He actually invites us to co-create with him. There's something going on. It's on the move, uh, right? Yeah, co-create with God, right? With the whole planet, right? He says, uh, be fruitful and multiply. Like, we're still going for that. Uh, you know, there's, uh, this is a God who calls us forward, right? So com- compelling worship, I believe, uh, is, is going somewhere, is doing something, is, is moving, it's evolving, it's continuing to paint, it's continuing to draw on and open up and be closer to God. It is ever loving, it is evolving, it is reimagining, right? It's going deeper into this relationship that we're called to be a part of, uh, right? And so worship, once we, you know, once we worshiped in like segregated congregations, right? Uh, once uh, uh, we we worshipped and, and Gentiles were in the the outer courts, right? Once we worshipped and actually uh, women and children and uh, anybody who was crippled uh, or handicapped, like they're not even allowed in uh, any further, right? Uh, once we worship this way, you cannot tell me uh, that this thing is continuing to evolve. You cannot tell me that this whole thing is, is continuing to open up and continuing to go somewhere and continuing to unfold, right? We are still turning pages uh, in this story. Are you with me this morning? Uh, look at somebody and say, there's another chapter. There's another chapter. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, and that's never happened. You guys are like in it. Uh, you guys are either really in it or you're like, is lunch around the corner? Uh, so, for Jesus, uh, there's, a, there's, a, I believe there's another chapter, right? The kingdom of God is on the move. There's, there's something uh, going on. Some religion says it's over, it's dead, it's finalized. The last word has been said. Here it is. Read our list. Uh, but there's another, another religion, another kind of worship that says um, God is still forming and, and shaping and moving, right? There's something, there's something expanding, like that, right? That, 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 that the lines are still being colored in, uh, right? Because God is infinite, and God is ever expanding and loving, and so doth our worship, right? Uh, and so, and this morning uh, we we come here, um, you know, once a week, and and this becomes this sort of ever-expanding dance between you and me and him and her and God and the world uh, together, right? All creation. Um, be, be wary this morning of anyone who seems to have all the answers, right? With me? Uh, be wary of those folks. Um, but you know who you should make good friends with? Uh, children. Uh, uh, little kids. Uh, 
They don't know anything. <laughs> and it's great. Uh, right? Um, so the, the second the second prophetic quote, and we're wrapping this up, uh, he, he calls them a, a den of thieves or a den of robbers. Uh, and, and Emily actually preached on this several months ago, but this is not referring to a place where something bad is happening. This is not referring to a place where uh, a bank is getting robbed, right? This is not what it means by den of robbers. But the den of robbers means this is referring to a, a hideout. Like when the injustices have been accomplished, all the the thieves get together and like are safe in the place that's the den of robbers, right? It's sort of after the fact. This is the place where we come, uh, the atrocities have been committed, and, and we're safe. What does it mean that Jesus refers to the entire temple worship this way? I mean, I mean, this is this is unreal. Making our sacrifices. I wonder this morning how we're still trying to see this whole thing uh, and this whole Passover and this whole, uh, you know, we're, we're still trying to make sacrifices and shed blood for our sins. Uh, I wonder if we're still just trying to operate under this this thing. It's, it's like it's like every Sunday we can just sort of like slide in here and it's like getting a whole plate. You know, safe, right? Another round, another point, another offering, another sin uh, forgiven, another Passover, right? Um, I, I wonder, do we still do this? Like, make ritual sacrifices in hopes of divine protection, right? Um, is, is Jesus' blood... Is Jesus' blood a reminder um, for us uh, that, that we are safe? Or is our deliverance this morning something that might also um, call us to perhaps shed blood for others, right? Might, might we actually be required to take up our crosses and um, walk with them. Uh, Jesus says, it's interesting here, Jesus casts out the insiders uh, of the temple who thought they were safe, uh, right? And he welcomes the outsiders in, right? Those who have been neglected and excluded. If you read the text, the blind, the lame, right? The children, these groups were actually marginalized by their worship during this time. And so Jesus is reorienting worship uh, around community, right? It says the children came crying, and this is what they were upset about. Like, it doesn't even say they're upset because Jesus, like, flipped the tables over. But when the children came in, right, he, he threw out these guys, and then and then it says the audacity, like, uh, the blind came in, the lame came in, all these people who were not supposed to be coming in, came in, and Jesus healed them. And then, like, the mic dropped, like, Jesus lets the kids in, and the kids are the ones proclaiming that Jesus is the son of David. Like, you've got to catch what's going on. This is this is just, you know, this is just unreal. And so, what if our worship this morning, uh, wrapping up, what if our worship, it's my favorite quote from my wife, um, baby, I love you, uh, 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 what she says, uh, what if it's not about you? Uh, um, what if our worship is not, like, all about us? 
this morning? Uh, what if we put so much emphasis on being saved from our sins, right, and how we're passed over and brought out of slavery, right, uh, because God has heard our cries? Um, yet, yet, can we become a people who never hear the cries of others? Um, sharing salvation this morning. Ah, man, racking them up. Sharing salvation this morning, um, might I suggest, is not necessarily about telling someone how to invite Jesus into their hearts. But I wonder, I wonder if sharing salvation this morning has something to do with actually saving someone. That actually has something to do with loving someone. Uh, that the temple worship, BTW, I'm going to translate this, New Testament terms, us, uh, we as the temple, the people of God, this is what Jesus does. Right? Anytime he references the temple, this is what he's done. Uh, this is what Matthew's trying to get his hand around. Right? Uh, what does it mean that, that we, the church, temple, right, uh, right, are, are in our worship, happens uh, where the blind come and the lame come and the children wave palms in the air. Uh, what, does it, what does it mean that this thing becomes turned on its head and, and hungry people are fed and broken people are healed and lonely people are given a hug, uh, right? Uh, that the despairing are loved, right? This, uh, I believe, is compelling uh, and pleasing worship to God. Um, that this isn't stagnant religion this morning. Um, but this is uh, a religion uh, ellipsis. Uh, so let's pray this morning. Lord God, we thank you for this text that continues to unfold this morning. Um, likewise, God, I would be hypocrite to stand up here and say uh, this is everything. Because what we understand is that um, the further we we come to know you, the further we draw closer in a place in a house of prayer, God, that the further we uh, know you and, and know that this thing is expanding and love only increases. Uh, and so, Lord, uh, help us to be people of worship this morning, uh, people who love greater, uh, to see your kingdom come. Lord, may our worship be reoriented, God. Uh, uh, this is this is our salvation, uh, but this is also the salvation of the, the whole world, and that everyone gets some, uh, Lord. And so we just give you thanks uh, for that this morning. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.